Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And again, I'll say we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. It's been a while. It's been a while. I've been gone. I did the interview with Marcus. My last two shows were um, interviews with Marcus Dennis. Um, please go back and listen to those shows. As a matter of fact, if you've listened to the show and you want to purchase his book, just click on it, go to the show notes. It's right there, and there's a link there for his books. So I'm encouraging you guys to read his book, to buy his book and read his book and get copies to share pass it around, you know, um, one of the young people in the community that's doing good for himself. So I'm so proud of him, and I I just want you guys to send him a couple of good words, send him a couple of thank yous, reach out to him, definitely reach out to him, because he's a sweetheart. So anyway, yeah, this is Kim of Black Free Thinkers. And so for those of you who've been thinking, where the hell have you been, Kim? I have been on a self-imposed sabbatical, and you're like, what does that mean? It means that I needed to take some time out for myself to kind of deal with some personal issues and things that have been happening. I remember sharing with you guys about my big sister dying in February. And the funeral was in March because it was the end of February when she died. And, you know, that was hard. That was really hard for me. I mean, this was one of my very best friends. And, you know, a 20-plus year friendship, relationship, sisterhood, you know, as I stated on the show, you know, sometimes she was my mama. You know, like, Kim, don't do this, you know, and you know, it's, it's, it's been rough. You know, in the past year alone, you know, there have been several deaths and near deaths of people that I love and cherish. And so, again, it kind of, it changes you. You know, you change, your perspective changes on some of these things. And so, you know, I know when I was telling you all about it, I was talking about navigating these feelings and these emotions and all of this as, you know, a humanist and a free thinker. And so, you know, that's a work in action, right, a work in progress, learning how to deal with these issues, learning how to talk about them, learning how to just have a very healthy dialogue about these types of things. But, yeah, in the past year alone, I mean, it's been it's been hurtful, you know, it's heavy. So that's where I've been, trying to pull it all together, you know, helping people that need help, you know, like I said, a couple of near deaths and, you know, just being there for people. And, and you know, it alters your life. It changes your way of thinking. It makes you appreciate people even more. So if there are people in your life right now, you know, make sure you let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. If there are people in your life that you may have pushed out, here's a good reason. 
it's a good reason. But if it's some bullshit, you know, you need to work on that. And it's just, it's been a lot. And so, you know, there's been a lot happening in this country. And I'm pretty sure most of you all have probably heard and seen what's happening down in Charlottesville, Virginia, over on UVA, University of Virginia campus. And so what's interesting was I was getting rid of my cable. I was like, no more cable, get rid of that extra bill. I'll see what I see because I don't watch a lot of television. And for the people that know me, the TV is on, but it's really watching me. And and all I really do watch all day is news. And so, because, yeah, damn news, political junkie, love it. So when all of this broke out yesterday, I was like, I can't give up my cable TV now. So I went on and renewed it. But it's 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 a lot happening. You know, I've missed a lot. And when I say I've missed a lot, it's not that I missed the news. I miss doing shows about it. And, you know, I missed you guys. And there's so much that has happened over the past few months. I don't even know where to start. So I'm not. You know, I'll get back to it. You know, in some ways I'll incorporate it into other shows. But one thing that I do want to bring to you all's attention was that young man by the name of Kendrick Johnson, the one they found rolled up in a gym mat, and his organs pretty much had been harvested. Now they're ordering his parents to pay over $300,000 in court fees and fines. So go and look that up, because that is definitely a travesty, and it needs to be addressed. And so, you know, I'm trying not to go into too much more, because just UVA and what happened yesterday alone is enough. And so, yeah, I just want you guys to know that I I am going to go back. I'm going to pick back up, you know, and I definitely want to do a show about white Christianity and how they've turned Christianity into a political party. We're going to talk about that. But today's show is Dear White America, Your Silence is Tacit Agreement. And so today I am going to talk about white Christian America, and it's incorporated in, you know, a lot of the talking points that I want to make sure I hit today. So we will be, you know, hitting on that a little bit, but, you know, it's time to go. So for those who are interested in calling, because I am going to open the lines today, so 310-982-4273 and press 1 if you want to talk to me. And, again, that's 310-982-4273. 4273 and press 1 if you want to talk. If you don't want to talk, don't press any numbers. And if you do want to talk and you didn't press a number, don't get mad because I didn't pick you up. You know, so you got all of that going on there. But what the hell is happening in this country? You know, and right about now, I usually, you know, my monologue, you know, but I didn't plan on doing this show today. And yesterday, after watching everything and, you know, reading a couple of pieces, you know, and it's like I've been wanting to come back and start the show back up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to address this. I have no other choice but to address this. Because what's so interesting is I'm noticing the lack of response from certain people in certain organizations. Yeah, I told you all I was coming back. And I'm going to be talking about that shit right there. 
And guess what? I'm about to talk about that shit right there because it's it's glaring, you know. It's, it's just obvious. And, you know, there are different areas in which we intersect with different communities. And, you know, what I will say to you is if there are communities that you support, and I'm not talking about black and brown communities, I'm talking about the mainstream white ones, and if they are not addressing what has just happened, why are you supporting them? And if they do say something about it, if they pull a trump and say, well, all sides, no, fuck that. Because, look, these people came up with, I'm all off course, right? So I already told y'all I'm going to be all over the page today. If you want to call in, you can do this. But I posted a picture on my wall, and it was talking about um, basically, you know, these people, they came to that march, you know, and they showed up with guns, sticks, and torches. And this was written by Raphael Warnock, right? It's on my page. I posted it a couple of hours ago. I posted it on all three pages, to be honest with you. So it's on the Black Free Thinkers page as well as the People of Color Beyond Faith. So anyway, what Raphael Warnock wrote, he said, they showed up with guns, sticks, and torches, and they all went home alive. For those who keep asking, that's white privilege. Exactly. That is exactly it. That is white privilege in action. And so I'm sitting here, and we all saw President Bannon's response to this, which was really a no response, because he did not he did not specify, nor did he denounce white supremacy, you know, white nationalists, the alt-right, you know, none of that. You know, let's just call them for what they are, domestic terrorists. You know, if you all go under and look at under the hashtag white terrorism, white terrorists, um, domestic terrorism, domestic terrorists, that's what we're dealing with here. And so, I, you know, I'm telling you guys it's important for you all to go out there. I posted on Facebook as well as on Twitter the Charlottesville syllabus, right? And so what that is is a syllabus talking about these particular issues is giving you some historical accounts of what's been going on and what's happening there, and it gives you the links to a number of different think pieces and historical, um, you know, periodicals and things that you can go and, and educate yourself on these things. It's important that you educate yourself on these things and understand the cultural and political consequences of what we saw last night. So it's important for you guys to understand that. It's important for you to understand the history, and it's important for you all to understand the historical timeline. And, and also, that history repeats itself. People do not change. Power structures change. And it's important for you all to understand because you're like, this keeps happening over and over and over. Yes, that is how it is designed. And unfortunately, black and brown people in this country have been taught to have short attention spans to have short memories, and this is why it's so important for me to continue with these podcasts and putting this information out here because we've seen this before, and a lot of our parents and grandparents and their parents fought. They cried. They, they drew blood, blood, sweat, and tea, 
get us to where we are now. And the truth of the matter is we are now in a worse position than our parents and grandparents were. A lot of the black and brown accumulated wealth was wiped out in 2007 and 2008. While these hedge fund managers who sold worthless pieces of paper basically just blew up the entire mortgage industry. See, it was Main Street that got screwed, and it wasn't mainstream America Main Street. It was Jose and Tyrone Street. So it was a lot of black and brown, you know, wealth that was stolen at that time. And it's extremely important for you guys to pay attention to what's happening because Right now, you know, and I've been telling you guys for a while, we're getting ready to have another economic shakeup. And, you know, I know when I started talking about economics, you know, on a macro level, our economy is doing great. The GDP is at its lowest, you know, in employment is up, you know, in the, you know, the um, New York Stock Exchange, the Dow, all of that, over 22,000. And they're doing well on the S&P, all of that. So on a macro level, things look great, but on a micro level, that's you, me, Tyrone, Jose, Bubba, all of them, they're not doing well. And so that is where this wealth inequality comes into place. And when we try to explain how this has been formulated, how this is being done deliberately, see, you know, poverty is deliberate. Poverty is caused deliberately. Poverty is violence. And so when you have these people looking at these different cities, particularly Chicago, as, you know, President Bannon always likes to point the finger and and point the magnifying glass over Chicago, Chicago is not the number one city in the United States dealing with gun violence, right? And so, you know, this is why we encourage you to go out, to read, to understand what's going on around you because, you know, I've come to the understanding that, you know, a lot of people, and I used to be one of these people, I didn't know, you know. And so as I started to read more and get around people who could educate me, people who challenged me to get outside of my comfort zone and and to do something different, this is how I was able to grow. And that's the purpose of this show. You know, I'm challenging you to grow. Like I said, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. That is what we want you to do. I'm not here to create mini Kims. I'm not here to create some type of cult, none of that. I just want you to educate yourself or yourselves on these particular issues. So anyway, getting back to President Bannon and his weak-ass response to this situation is interesting because David Duke tweeted directly at Trump, right, and said, look in the mirror because it was white America who got you elected. And that's true. White America, you know, are the ones that put Donald Trump over the top. And so, you know, what's so interesting about this is when they did the interview with David Duke, he said that they were there in Charlottesville to fulfill the promise, the agenda of Trump, right? So you all need to pay attention to that and to understand what they're saying. There are dog whistles all over this, and I don't want this to be lost in the shuffle. It's important that you pay attention. It's important that you learn how to read in between the lines. It's important that you get out here and you read and you talk to these people. And and it's just it's absolutely amazing at, you know, a number of white people that I see out here saying this is 
is not the America I know. And the same thing with some non-black people of color, saying that this is not the America that they know. Then I don't know where the hell you were living. You know, and, you know, maybe you need to go back and crawl under that rock you just slithered from under because this has been happening. I mean, go back to the very history of America. Now, what's so interesting is when I heard the press conference yesterday from the governor of Virginia, Governor McAuliffe, right, you know, he was talking, you know, he has some very strong words for the white nationalists, the racists, the white supremacists, and that was good to hear. You know, but what's so interesting is today he showed up at a black church, and at that black church he stated that he had been invited to go on a lot of national, international television shows to discuss what happened, what transpired in in Charlottesville, you know, over the weekend. But he chose to go to a black church. Look, black people, black community, black church, stop it. We need to stop being complicit with this because what you're doing is you're offering him a sanctuary. You're offering him a cover. And most of these politicians do not step foot, you know, that's black or white politicians. They do not step foot into a black church unless it is time for them to to be elected or reelected or if they're trying to save their ass from some type of political scandal, you know, and, and, and again, this is being done to further their career and their cause. So it's important that you understand what's happening, but, you know, my question is, what are the sermons that are being taught in white churches across America today? What are the sermons being taught in black churches across America today? I think those are two very legitimate questions because, you know, I'm just looking at this, and, you know, I, you know, it it wasn't unexpected. You know, we've been waiting on this to happen, and that's why, you know, I did that status update saying that we told you so. We told you that this was going to happen. And not only that, I'm going to take it even before Donald Trump was elected, all the way in 2008 when Barack Obama was first elected. I had black people, and you know, again, that's that hope and change. They kept saying that with the election of Barack Obama as president of the United States, that this will do away with the racism and all of these problems. And I told them then, I said, no, that's not true. You can't really believe that, do you? And they were like, yes. And I said, no, it's actually going to get worse. And I got blown off. But I was right. And right now, I can stand here flat foot and tell you that at this point in time, right here, right now, Donald Trump is going to win 2020. He's going to win re-election. Why? Because you're still fucking laughing. And this shit ain't funny. And it's not a joke. And as long as you continue to laugh, and not take this seriously, and not, you know, like I say, you're going to have to, you know, grow a backbone, find one, get one surgically implanted, and stand the fuck up. Because this is only going to get worse. And what happened yesterday is that with the media coverage and the skirmishes and everything that happened 
at that quote-unquote rally in Charlottesville, what this is doing is emboldening and empowering these alt-righters, these white nationalists, these white supremacists even more. And during a time when Donald Trump, you know, was running, we kept saying that was happening. And, you know, what's interesting is we would get all of these responses from white people, well, not all white people, and but, no, I'm one of the good ones. And that's why I posted that article today basically telling you all white people, you progressive liberal whites and those of you out there, this is not the time and place for you to differentiate yourself and center the conversation on you saying, well, I'm one of the good ones, not all white people. This is not the time. And everybody who listens to this show, if you've been listening to this show for the past six, seven years, we all know that my stance is all white people are racist in one way or the other. The hardest thing that we've been able to do is to get white people to recognize when some of their behavior is racist. Some of the words that they put out there are racist. That has been the biggest battle. But the ultimate battle is the racism that's happening and taking place in America, that is not a battle for black and brown people. White people have to, you know, they, they have to fix this. You know, the, the burden is on their shoulders. You created it. Now you have to deconstruct it and dismantle it. The heavy lifting is on you because we've been telling you. And what's so interesting is you have these white people out here and, and, and they're like, you know, well, we didn't know this was going on. We've been telling you this. Oh, well, we just thought these were bored kids from the country. No, these are doctors. These are lawyers. These are politicians. Your grandpa, the young man that, you know, well, not the young man, but the domestic terrorist, you know, the white domestic terrorist that ran down those people at that riot yesterday. Because, again, I want you to understand that that was not a rally. That was a pre-planned race riot. When you show up with torches, guns, and everything else, you are not coming through, you know, to say hi and serve cupcakes and sweet tea. That is not what they were there for. It was a well-planned race riot. And the white domestic terrorist, you murderer, that killed, you know, what was her name again? Um, Heather Heyer. And, 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 you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm watching it. And, you know, where's the outrage? And what's so interesting is the, the, the white domestic terrorist murderer that killed Heather Heyer, they interviewed um, his mom. And she, had, she claimed that she had no idea that he was going to a race riot. She thought he was going to a Trump rally. <laughs> I don't even know how else to put it. And the fact that Trump refuses to refuse us to address this issue. You know, I'm I'm looking for a response from Steve Bannon. What about Stephen Miller? Hell, Jared, where the hell you at? You know, and so what was so interesting and, and, and alarming was when I saw them walking with those tiki torches and they were marching toward the part that, you know, that, that, that houses that Robert E. Lee statue. 
and they were there to, you know, I guess to, to, to show their discontent with the city taking that particular statue down and selling it. But, you know, what was interesting is directly across the street from the statue was a church. And so a lot of the clergy, black, white, yellow, red, they were at that church having service and, you know, in preparation for what was taking place that weekend. And it was sheer and utter fear when they realized how many people were there with those torches right across the street. So they didn't know if those, you know, white nationalists, alt-righters, you know, white supremacists, they didn't know if they were coming there to attack them and to burn the church down. They didn't know. And, you know, I'm going to get into that in a minute because, you know, here are these pastors and clergy people, and they are in fear of their lives. And there were white ones there. Come on now, you know, you all have been watching this. And so I need for you to understand because this is a very real threat. Now, normally when they have these so-called rallies, you'll have a handful of people show up, 10, 20, maybe 30. Nah, this was a much larger crowd. I haven't even gone out to pull the stats, you know, as far as um, an approximate amount of people, but it was significant. And what I need for you to understand is that when they have that type of of gathering and showing, they're going to get bigger. There's going to be more people joining this, more people that have been emboldened and empowered to come out. And, and and it's so interesting because you got people taking their pictures and posting them all on the Internet. They got all kind of receipts, you know, asking, you know, um, basically, is this your employee? But, see, what I need people to understand is, yeah, that may be so-and-so employee, but you don't realize that's so-and-so standing over there. So he's not going to fire him or her you know, for being an alt-writer, white nationalism. You know, that's not going to happen. And so what's so interesting is, you know, you know, people are pointing specifically at white men. I get that, but there were plenty of white women there too. And if they weren't there, they were at home making tea and baking cupcakes. They know exactly what these men are up to. And what I need for you all to understand and to impress upon you is that they had women, Ku Klux Klan um, groups that had a feminist theme to them. So, you know, when you hear me bitching about that white woman's march earlier this year, and, you know, 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump, and you need to get that through your head. So when you hear someone like me stating that I will, I refuse to refuse to endorse and to support a lot of these mainstream groups, this is the reason why. So, you know, it's, it's just it's really interesting. And, you know, Heather Heyer, you know, my, my condolences goes out to her family and her friends and including the people that were hurt, you know, my condolences to all of them because it was unnecessary. However, what's really interesting about all of this is that, you know, I hear all of these things from people, and like I said, my condolences to Heather Heyer and her family. But what's so interesting is they are using the say her name hashtag for Heather. And I'm going to kind of, I want to leave it alone and leave it there, but I can't. Because, again, you have this co-option and this appropriation thing. 
and you got all of that happening. That's not the focus of today's show, but that is what's going on in my in my mind. And that's not taking away from her death because, you know, she was a counter-protester. And, and, and so it's important that we recognize that, okay? And so it's so much more. But this is the thing. You had you had white men and white women out there marching in this pre planned race riot. And trust and believe this was financed. So, you know, what's interesting is, you know, Richard Spencer. And if you're not familiar with Richard Spencer, I strongly advise you Use Google. Google is your friend. And he's the one who coined the term alt-right. And it's so funny because I, was, I, you know, heard a bunch of things and, you know, you read it. And so today, I don't know if it was Raina that said this to me or someone else, or I may have heard it on the news, but they basically were saying that the alt-right are nothing but white nationalists in black tie. You know, that's why they're sitting at the left and right hand of the president. You know, Stephen Miller. Stephen Bannon, Corey Lewandowski, that Gorka dude, you know, and, and many, many more. And so, you know, you can sit there and you can play ostrich all you want, but this is happening. And this is real life. And this has real life consequences. That is why someone is dead. And we cannot sit back and allow this to continue. And so what's so funny is, you know, I've been on Twitter the past couple of days, and I was tweeting my ass off earlier today. So if you want to go and you want to pay attention and you want to go back to my Twitter feed, um, go ahead, because I think I started tweeting about 9, 30, 10 o'clock this morning. As a matter of fact, um, I posted on all three of the Facebook pages and on Twitter. I want you to go and look it up, but Ida B. Wells wrote a book called Red Summer. I'm sorry, Red Record. Sorry about that. Is it Red? See, now I'm questioning myself. Is it Red Record or Red Summer? Anyway, I posted the free link on Kindle. And, yeah, it's called the Red Record. So I posted the link everywhere. And this is a free download on Kindle, so you can get it for yourself. But, you know, Raina and I, we were talking earlier, and we were talking about Ida B. Wells and the anti-lynching movement campaign. And so we were talking, and I was telling her about several years ago when I posted, not several, just a few years ago, when I posted a link talking about we need to bring back the anti-lynching campaign. And I had, you know, a white person attack me and, and attempt to say that it was hate speech. And so I'm sitting there, and I was laughing because, you know, when you're called a race baiter or a race traitor and all of this shit, whatever, you know, and, and you're talking about racism, it's funny because being attacked by that one particular person, that's, that's you know, that said a lot to me. So what, you don't want us to bring back the anti-lynching campaign? Are we interrupting your agenda and your future plans? And so, you know, I get to look at that. And, you know, that's something, but, again, yeah, go out and read about that. You know, I'm going to find an article that I have posted, and I'll post it on all three of the walls again so you all can read it yourselves. But, um, you know, they don't want things like that. You know, they want to be able to march and to terrorize with impunity. Now, you know, mm -hmm. go and read the book, We Will Shoot Back. 
And as I've been telling you all, I am a definite advocate for the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, because they ain't afraid to bear arms. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, we've heard throughout the years all of these people who said that, well, if I was born and, you know, born into slavery and we would have had uprisings, I would have fought back some of the same people during the Civil Rights Movement. Huh, that never would have happened to me. Well, you're living in the middle of the shit now. It never ended. So what are you doing now? And there are plenty of ways that you can fight back. You know, because, see, we don't want to leave anybody out of this conversation. We don't want to leave anybody out of this movement. You know, you know, you have people from various walks of life who may not be able to be public for whatever number of reasons. You know, we have people that are disabled and that can't get out there. I understand that. So retweet some shit. Write some shit if you can. Do those things. Get the word out. Let people know. There are some people who can't be a part of the movement because, you know, their livelihood, shit. You know, it's like this. You can barely get people to give you a dime, you know, for, for, for programs that they support, let alone support you because you lost your job out here doing this work. So, you know, let's be realistic about this. But you can donate money. You can donate time. You can mention some people. There are a number of things you can do, and that's why, you know, we do this show. And so I want to make sure that, you know, I, I talk to the people that are out there, whether you're out here doing the work or not, it doesn't matter. I just want you to stay encouraged. And we're going to get through this, just like we get through everything else, you know. But this time is a little different. This time is different. And, you know, I, I think I'm going to end up doing a show talking about all of the movements, the black and brown movements, you know, across America, because you you need to understand and to know that the majority of those movements were started because of police violence. That is how it started. And these were started and maintained by black women, Latina women. And you need to understand that. And you need to go back and you need to read the history on this so that you can better understand what's happening now because what you're seeing today is not new. This is not new. You know, sit down and talk to your parents and your grandparents. Talk to them. They can tell you some things. And they can, they can actually tell you what the hell is getting ready to come up next. And so, you know, a lot of the links that I posted today are very important. And again, you know, we put things out here, but we do this to inspire and encourage you to go out there and do some reading on your own. Get a better understanding of this for yourself. I don't want you to take my word. I want you to trust but verify. Find out. Figure it out. Read. And that's one of the things that I've encouraged over the past several years that we've been doing this show. The only way you are really going to grow and evolve is that you're going to have to develop yourself intellectually. And if you're not doing that and you're trying to figure out why you're going in circles, you know, you're trying to figure out why you feel like you're just spinning your wheels, I just gave you the answer why. So it would be to your benefit to get a better understanding of what's happening. And so, you know, again, 
You know, what I find disheartening about some of the things that are happening now, hell, Colin Kaepernick, well, nobody signed him. He can't find a job nowhere. And all he did was take a knee. But you got these white supremacists, these white nationalists, these alt-writers out here, and not a fuck was given. They're not going to lose their job. Hell, they may get promoted, you know, and and they're not going to get into any real trouble except for the asshole that ran into everybody. And so, and let's see, it should be interesting because he is he going to be charged with, you know, domestic terrorism? Is he going to be charged with hate crime? What the hell? So I'm waiting on that to happen. Hell, I wonder, did they take him to White Castle or Burger King? You know, like they did Dylan Roof, that damn white domestic terrorist assassin. And some black dude beat his ass. And what's so interesting is that black dude, they put a GoFundMe for him. He got bonded out in two, three days and probably got enough money to, to fix whatever the hell he was in jail for. But he beat the shit out of Dylan Roth, you know, just in case you all didn't know that, you know. But um, it's, it's interesting because you have these people, and they're showing up with guns and torches and all manner of weaponry, brass knuckles, all of that. And the police stood by the side, and the police watched as mayhem and chaos broke out in Charlottesville, and they didn't do a damn thing. They had the National Guard out there. They did nothing. And then they showed up in full riot gear. I mean, shit. The damage was being done, and a lot of it had already been done. And so if that was a Black Lives Matter rally, man, before they even got a chance to say Black Lives Matter three times in a row, their asses would have been handcuffed and thrown in the back of the damn police van. And so it's interesting on how, you know, you look at that double standard, how black and brown and red people and yellow people are treated when they want to stand up for their rights and protest peacefully. And look at how they treat the white protesters. Look at what happened with the Women's March. I mean, they were wearing hats, handed out water, probably baking cupcakes, all of that. And so, you know, it's so interesting because you'll have people say, well, why does she sound so angry? Why is she angry? Well, I'm black in America. And look at the shit we got to deal with. If you're not angry... I'm starting to believe that you're the problem. Well, that's just me. And that's just my humble opinion about that situation. But I have everything to be fucking angry about. So, again, you know, you know that was not a rally. It was a damn well-planned, well-financed race riot. And this is just the beginning. Because when they see that and they saw the power that they garnered in the coverage that they received, and and what's so interesting is, you know, with, with Donald Trump, President Bannon right there, his silence, his refusal to acknowledge, you know, the groups that organized this, that speaks volumes. And what's interesting is the other Republican leadership, you know, and the people especially that Trump, you know, um, you know, that Trump badmouthed, the, you know, the people that he denigrated, all of that, they, they stood up and they strongly condemned this. 
And so someone put a tweet up, and they were talking about the people that Trump had bad-mouthed and denigrated and degraded. And he says, and they said what all those people have in common is that they're not supremacists. How about that? So that's something for you to think about. But, yeah, to be able to go to, you know, a race riot and show up with torches and sticks and guns and bats and brass knuckles and, you know, razors and all that shit, that's white privilege because they all went home. Every last one of them went home, except for dudes that tried to run everybody over. And it wasn't just him. It was someone else with him. Let's see if they talk about that. They'll let us know that, you know, they found the other person. And what's so interesting was when they, when the guy was leaving jail today, I refused to call him by his name. So the white domestic terrorist, you know, murderer, when he was leaving jail today, there were people out there, and I guess they were trying to talk to him, and they were, well, he was trying to talk to the media, and people were screaming and singing and playing instruments to drown him out. And so people were getting closer and closer, and I guess they converged a little bit too tight, and so he ended up falling, and they ended up, rush, you know, the police, you know, rushed him back into the police station for his safety. You know, and so it's important. You all pay attention. And I know the news is depressing as fuck. Yes, it is, you know, but this is the world that we're living in, and I want, if I can't guarantee you nothing else, this shit right here more than likely is going to come to a town near you. And then what's interesting, you're going to have people out here saying, well, I didn't know. Like you have a bunch of white folks running around here and certain non-black people of color running around here saying, we didn't know this was happening. Yeah, the fuck you did. You chose to ignore it, or you chose to say, well, we didn't think it was that bad. Really? So our word, us telling you what the fuck was really going on out here, that's not good enough. But now that it's been, you know, basically put in your damn face, they don't smash your face with a big old pile of, of dog shit. Now all of a sudden, now you believe it, right? And so, I mean, so... Damn, I mean, it's just been so much, so much. And so, yeah, you white Christians and pastors, what did you all talk about today? And so what was really interesting about this is, you know, if a lot of the clergy that was out there, at one point they pushed the clergy out the way. When I say they, I'm talking about security. And that was when the skirmishes and the fights first broke out, right? And a lot of the clergy went back in you know, to to stand up against this. And so what was really interesting on some of the, you know, talking heads that I watch on the news, and they were talking about how these white supremacists, white nationalists, alt-writers, how they attacked the clergy, that they had no deference in regards to, you know, these, these men and women of the gospel or religion or what have you. And so... You know, I was sitting there and watching them, and they're talking about how disrespectful that was and how they were surprised that, you know, these people would attack, you know, the people of God. And you you know how that conversation goes, right? And I'm sitting there looking at the TV, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're surprised about. You know, you got plenty, and so here we go. So <laughs> I'm telling you guys, 
you know, for the past couple of months, you know, just inside of me, this shit has been building up, building up, building up, and I've been trying to be good, but I just can't do it anymore. So it's like this. You know, you have these people complaining and feigning surprise that these white nationalists and white supremacists were attacking the men and women of God, as they put it. Well, I don't know what the hell you're surprised about, because a lot of those white supremacists and white nationalists are atheists, free thinkers, non-believers, secularists, whatever the hell you want to call it. There are a lot of them. As a matter of fact, Richard Spencer specifically designates himself as an atheist. And so what's so interesting is on this show, you know, for the past several years, one thing I do know is that Raina and I brought this shit to your attention. If you go back into the archives, you'll find a show when I'm talking about black nationalists and white nationalists in the atheist community. And see, and that's the thing. And, you, and the thing is, is that people, I posted a couple of articles, and if you go out and you read, you know, you have people talking about these black nationalists and these alt writers and this little bromance that's going on. And the thing is, is that they get along because they want the same thing. One wants it in blackface and the other one wants it in whiteface. But it still boils down to white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, and so on. So their message is the same, which is why they get along. But in regards to the white nationalists in the atheist community, we warned you years ago that this was happening. And what has happened is those alt-writers, some of the alt-writers, have come to the atheist community and found a soft place to land. And they were welcomed. And again, that silence is tacit agreement. You know, I ain't looked, and I'm not going to look. But some of these, you know, organizations out here, where are their statements condemning what happened in Charlottesville? Now, I'm not going to hold my breath for that shit. But what's so interesting was when all that shit went down in Ferguson, in Sanford, in Baltimore, the statements that were released were only released, in my opinion, because of pressure put on them by people like me and Raina and others. And what's interesting, in some cases, they found a person of color, a black person, to write the statement, and then they would post it. But then go down to the comment section, because the comments tell it all. And so you would have all of these racist comments, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, trans, all of that shit in the comments talking about these different particular issues, but specifically about racism. And, you know, these these so-called leaders in, in the secular community, they were scared because, see, these are their supporters. So they need that money. They need those membership dollars. They need those membership numbers. They need people to show up to these conferences and pay for these overpriced tickets. They need for these people to be their fucking sycophantic flunkies. That is what they need. That is what fuels them. And they have come to that community, and they found a soft place to land. And that their activity has not been widely condemned in the way that it should. Now, if you go out, you will find a bunch of articles from people within the white atheist community condemning this shit. 
you know, there are certain individuals that are condemning it, and I get that. However, why is it that they feel so comfortable over in this community? And so that goes back to something that I said, and I said this, I think, during the first interview I did with Marcus, you know, not too long ago, and I was talking about how, you know, the people in this community and and how they turn their eye and turn deaf ear to just, they ignore, they shouldn't ignore, and that's because they don't want to talk about it or they don't want to offend the people that are fucking financing them. And I had another thought. I lost it. I'm going to get back to it. I'll catch it up. But, you know, you have all of this happening. And so, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see these these little statements coming out from these mainstream groups, you know, and crickets and tumbleweeds, baby, crickets and tumbleweeds, because I think I'm going to be waiting a long time, you know, because, again, they're afraid of their fucking members, and that's how I see it. And what's so interesting is, you know, a number of people of color within that particular community, you know, many of them, silent. Crickets and tumbleweeds. And then you got some really confused ones over there that are running around saying that, you know, they hate the anti-fascists, you know. And it was Antiva, you know, some of the the anti-fascists that saved the lives of a number of people in Charlottesville. Now, I'm not saying I endorse them, but I'm sure as hell not throwing them under the bus. And they saved lives. So take that for whatever the fuck you want to take it for. But at the end of the day, what you're seeing, what you saw on television last night and today, that is precisely the America that I've known. And so, you know, earlier, you know, I was talking, you know, to a good friend, and I was like, you know, this shit repeats itself over and over. And so, you know, you have people out here that are surprised. I don't know what you're surprised about. But, again, I got to remember, a lot of this shit, they didn't teach you in history in school. And so, you know, that's why I'm encouraging you guys, talk to your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your parents, because some of them lived through this shit. You know, they, they were there getting hit with bottles and rocks and all of that shit when they were marching with, you know, the Black Panthers, marching with Malcolm X, marching with Martin Luther King. You need to understand it. This is not their civil rights movement. It's yours. And, you know, as I stated when I went to one of the Black Lives Matter, you know, convenings, I'm like, hell, I was Black Lives Matter before Black Lives Matter became Black Lives Matter. Welcome, and I've been waiting for you. Because it's about that time, and I just think things are different this time. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. But if we organize, we will win. And so, um, you know, there are counter-protests, counter-rallies happening all over. And so now there's a rally right now in Seattle, you know. And so I want you guys to get a chance to pay attention. It's happening right now. So um, and not only just in Seattle, but, you know, all across the United States, there are counter-protests happening today. So, you know, those of you who were, you know, totally disgusted by what you saw, 
And, you know, what's really interesting is that, you know, I have, you know, white folks saying all the time, they apologize, and, and they're like, they don't know what to say, they don't know what to do. And my thing is you start with those that are closest to you. If you cannot talk to your husband, your wife, your children, your mom, dad, your coworkers, colleagues, any of these people, if you can't talk to them about racism, how do you expect me to believe that you're part of the resistance and you're a leader in the resistance? I can't believe you. You know, it's like, you know, when we talk about, you know, speaking truth to power, that includes your mama and daddy too. Your grandpa, your mama, all of them. And so, um, yeah, you know, black church, stop it. Stop giving them cover. Stop covering for them. And also, black church, where the fuck are you? Where are you? You know, that doesn't include Dr. William Barber. Now, he out there, he's doing the work. We've supported Moral Mondays from the very beginning. I remember when it first started, the first week that it happened, we covered it on this show. And I told you about what was happening in North Carolina. And we posted it and we talked about it and we encouraged people to get out there. And that hasn't changed. And what's happening with the Moral Mondays is like, you know, over in Atlanta, uh, I forget it's something, but it's on a Tuesday. You know, and um, Reverend Warnock, Raphael Warnock, the one I quoted earlier today, um, you know, he's the pastor of Martin Luther King Jr.'s old church, right? And he's out there, and he's doing a damn thing. Just like in Chicago, you have Dr. Otis Smith over at um, Trinity, Dr. Jeremiah Wright's old church, Barack Obama's old church. Otis Moss, sorry about that, not Smith, Otis Moss. Sometimes my brain is faster than my lips. But, you know, this is happening all across the country. I mean, just look it up. And, you know, some of the major cities close to you, if you don't live in one, there are always activities out there that you can go and you can support in one way or the other. Even if you can't be out there, if you have the means, do a fundraiser, something, help them. And so, I don't know, so so much going on. And um, going back to what I was saying about the alt-righters attacking, you know, the religious people, the clergy, you know, like I said, they found a soft place to land over here in the atheist community. And you shouldn't be surprised. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, I'm basically I'm at the point now because I'm too ready to tell black and brown people within the secular community to stop supporting these mainstream organizations. Because what's so interesting is they had a campaign out talking about normalizing atheism. And whenever any black and brown people approach these larger organizations about things that would interest people of color, for the most part, they were told that it was mission drift, right? So anything, you know, that did not center white men, it was considered mission drift. But yet they want black and brown and red and yellow people to support the mainstream secular community. 
but they, they're doing the same thing that has been done throughout history. Look here, you help us with this. Give me your hand. Give me, a, you know, lift me up and help me get over the wall, and then I'll help you, promising to address certain things later, knowing good and damn well that they're not going to address it. See, you fooled us once. You fooled us twice. You fooled us three times. But fool us no more, will you do? That's not going to happen. So I'm not going to help you normalize your particular community until you support us and until you get out there and you condemn these people and you condemn these activities. So there's no more of this where we'll take care of you later. No, fuck you. You take care of me now. And people, I was, you should not support them. Because they should be out here telling these alt-writers and white nationalists and white supremacists that there is no place for them in this fucking community. That is what they should be saying. And until they say that and until, you know, it's not just about the words, it's about actions too. And until they say that and act upon it, you know, I mean, look, (laughs) don't support them. And what's so interesting is that not many are supporting them in the first place. You know, most people of color cannot afford a seven, dollars $800 ticket to come to your conference. No, they're not going to do that. They can't afford that. But I firmly believe, and I've stated this, and I stand by every word that comes out of my mouth. Your ticket prices are that high because you don't want any and everybody there. And so, you know, I sit back and I look at this shit. And I'm like, you know, it's been there. We've talked about it. We've addressed these issues. They did. They would do a little bit here and a little bit there to try to appease people. And, and, and you know, you're always going to have one or two tokens around, oh, well, they, that's not how they treated me. That was not my experience. And all I got to say to you all is you need to pay attention to that particular person or people, their agenda and what they are getting out of the situation. And it's important that you do that. It's important that you understand that. And so, yeah, like I said, you know, what's so interesting about this is on one of the talking heads, you know, they were talking about Hitler and, you know, this alt-right, and, you know, for those that weren't paying attention, they were chanting blood and soil, right? And if you go back into history, look up where that particular chant came from and what it signifies. It's important that you know that. But anyway, you know, um, in one of the conversations, they were talking about Hitler, and he saw his Third Reich as like the third coming, you know, of Christ. He was, the, you know, the Jesus, and the, you know, the, the Messiah, if you will. And what's interesting is if you go back and you can look this up yourself, Donald Trump has bought into that. He he even mentioned. He said, "Yeah, I guess I'm, you know, you know, the, the second coming of Jesus, some shit like that." And there was a lot of white evangelicals espousing that shit. That's dangerous, and you need to look it up, and you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention because just who the delusions that are taking place. Well, I think we got someone on the line here. Let me pull them into the call. Hello, 216. May we ask who's calling? Hello, this is Ray Ninja. Hey, honey, how you doing? Long time no here. 
I know. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, you missed me? As you are. Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't wait to call in. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't ahead, wait baby. to call in. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, I'd be even better, you know, if it weren't for the, of course, the obvious events that were going on in Charlottesville this weekend. And um, it's just one of those things where um, I, with, I'm kind of with you in the sense that, like, the thing that disturbs me is, like, how shocked everybody is. Like, black people are – less black people are shocked by what's actually happening in Charlottesville than white people. But right. overall, like, too many people are acting shocked and upset. Like, this is not the United States that I know, or this is not the United States, you know, that I grew up in. How could this happen? Right. And I think the only way that you could actually get away with a statement like that is if you were either ignorant or you were misled. Exactly. And exactly. if you were misled, that is a failure of both our education system and our various communities to let you know what's really going on. But I, yesterday I attended a rally um, you know, in solidarity with uh, Charlottesville last night because I live in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so many people – and what's interesting is, like, roughly 80 to 90% of the attendees were non-black people of color. And I heard over and over again, how could this happen? This is not the country that we know. This is not what we stand on. These are not what our values are. And I said, you know, with all due respect, this country was built on oppression. These are American That's right. values. That's right. Yes, How it did is. You come that to is a what they've done from the very beginning. Right. It's like I, I have to ask, how did you come to the conclusion that these were not our values? Right. And what was the answer? That slavery, you... <laughs> it, it, it's, just, it's like slavery is not that many generations ago exactly. in America, officially. Right. And unofficially, slavery is still happening in the Western world. Exactly. Exactly. Especially exactly. sexual slavery. So, yes. I, I, like I said, I, I questioned a lot of people about you know, their stances because it just seems to me that people have blinders on. They have rose-tinted glasses not just about American history, but about the leaders that actually create that are responsible for our constitution and our, even our founding fathers. There were statements yesterday about, you know, how our founding fathers didn't believe in this. Well, apparently you guys forgot that many of our founding fathers were slave holders. Exactly. These were their values. So where are you getting exactly. this from? Right. Right. No, you're right. And you know, what's, Interesting is, you know, when you start talking to people about these things and they want to say, but no, that's what this country was built on. You know, that, that statue of Robert E. Lee is in a, a park for Thomas Jefferson. And so you had people trying to say, you know, about Thomas Jefferson and how he was a great man. And, and, and so one of the pastors from the UCC church 
you know, cut that down real fast and was talking about how Thomas Jefferson was like the, the father or the grandfather of white supremacists and that he wrote, you know, rhetoric, a lot of a lot of writing that, that talked about the inferiority of blacks, you know. So that particular trope that, you know, he was one of the ones that started that in an effort to justify, you know, slavery and racism. And so, you know, and right. so you're right with that in, in this nation. You know, a lot, you, well, not a lot. This nation was built on dispossessing people of color, starting with the indigenous people. And so someone talked the other day, and they were talking about um, gentrification and how, right. you know, these neighborhoods being gentrified is within the same realm of what we're seeing with these race rights, and they are absolutely correct. And I know some people are saying, well, how are they correct? When when basically the way I see gentrification is they're deporting black and brown people out of their neighborhoods. And what they're doing is right. they're dispossessing these people of their wealth and their accumulated wealth, which is why I talked about a lot of the wealth that was stolen from the black and brown community in 2007 and 2008. You know, gentrification is an example. You know, there are a number of other examples, you know, using manifest destiny as an excuse. Well, so white male sinners, you know, that's, that's a part of this bullshit too. You know, the, the laws right. and policies that are on the book, that's there too. And so, you know, you have these people, and when they talk about race and racism and racist, what they try to do is that they try to whittle it all down to emotions and feelings. And, and too many of them try to whittle it all the way down to, you know, a so-called rogue ideology. And what we're trying to get through to them to get them to understand is that just greater than that, we're talking about institutions. We're talking about systems that were built to perpetuate anti-blackness. Right. And how anti-blackness is is it's an industry. You know, it's you right. know, it's it's money. It's money behind that. And so, you know, it's right. just so much more. And you know, and I'm trying to kind of pull it all in and rein it in because my thoughts. My thoughts, and I'm going through this, and it gets frustrating. And that's one of the things, one of the reasons why I had myself imposed sabbatical, because I'm frustrated. Why? Because we told you to stop laughing. Oh, he's not going to win. He won the primary. Stop laughing. Oh, he's not going to win. He won the general. And you motherfuckers are still laughing. And that's why I can right. stand here right now and tell you he's going to win 2020. Why? Because you're still laughing. This is not a joke. And 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 it's like while you're while you're busy while while you're busy laughing at the fact that it's an impossibility that Trump would have won the election, your very own family and friends are going behind your back saying, "You laughing just makes me want to vote for him harder because now I have to make him the underdog." You have no exactly. idea how many people actually side with Trump that you know that you talk to, coworkers, families, friends. They see you doing this stuff, and they desperately want to wipe the smirk off your smug-ass face right? while you're sitting there being complacent. Exactly. 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 You know, and that's why. So this is not a laughing <laughs> matter. It's not a laughing matter. Exactly. When, a, when, the, <laughs> when the election night, man, that was just wild because everybody was just dumbfounded. Like, how could this happen? 
And I told people, you underestimated the enemy. You underestimated them. You should not have been laughing. You should have been in front of your state. You should have been at every city hall. You should have been at. You should have been calling congressmen, senators, and letting. But you didn't. Yep. You didn't. You you took it for granted that your vote was to overwhelm people who you thought were stupid. These are not stupid people. Conservatives are not dumb. Exactly. They believe exactly. in their power, and you don't. Mm-hmm. And that's what lost the election. Exactly. You know, and because a week or two before the election. Um, I did a show, and I pretty much coronated, you know, Donald Trump on that show because I called him the Pied Piper as he was leading his little followers behind him up Pennsylvania Avenue to make America great again. I called it, and and I was like, you know, on the night of the election, I went to bed at ten, eleven o'clock like I normally do. I turned away and started watching the Golden Girls, and I was out. Because they weren't going to tell me something that I already didn't know was going to happen, you know. And that's why I can stand right here right now and say at this point in time, Donald Trump is going to be reelected. And what, what pisses me off about that right there is the fact that I saw, you know, some commentary from, you know, um, leaders in, uh, in the DNC, Democratic National um, Committee, and they were talking about it's too early to think about who we're going to run. Well, Donald Trump started running for re-election the day after he was inaugurated. What do you mean right. too early? That's why your ass going to lose. You know, and it's not that I'm up here advocating for the Democrats. I'm an independent. I don't like any of these motherfuckers. And I was pissed because I had to vote for Hillary because I didn't want to vote for her. You understand? But I did. And I, I've been mm-hmm. pissed about it the whole damn time. But that's me, you know. But um, mm-hmm. I'm just looking at them. Well, I mean, well, you know, people who listen to this show know I got a problem, with, especially a lot of these so-called progressive and liberal whites and how they themselves have been one of the, you know, one of the weights that's been holding down black and brown progress in this country. Oh, now is not the time. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait a minute. We need our Negroes in compliance. Oh, you didn't do what we said and what we told you to do? Well, we can't support you anymore. You know, you don't want to help us. You want to control us. And that is why I talk shit about them every chance I get because it's a fucking act. And they have been more detrimental, you know, more of a hindrance to our progress than these damn racists. The difference between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton as far as my respect is concerned, I have more respect for Donald Trump because he's an open racist. Hillary and Bill hide their shit, but their policies tell it all. You know? And it's sad. It's sad because one of the things about Hillary Clinton is, do I believe that she was the better of the two candidates? Without a doubt. But Killer Mike said something in an interview that I that I, I really felt like deeply, and he said, "If we're going to vote for you, you have to earn it. Exactly. And if you don't earn it, stay home. Don't even bother." Right. Exactly. And that means exactly. actually apologizing for the numerous destructive policies that took place during your husband's administration. 
Exactly. Exactly. The numerous prison, the pipelines, the mandatory minimums, all of those things, you have to actually acknowledge that damage was done during your presidency. I am not just right. going to sit here and shit on Republicans without challenging my right. fellow Democrats. Exactly. As far as I'm exactly. concerned, nobody is above the law and nobody is above criticism. And do I That's recognize right. that Republicans are the greater of the two evils? Perhaps, yeah. But like you said, mm-hmm. the one thing I will say is that they are upfront. Exactly. They will tell you exactly, exactly how they feel. And yep. I'd rather know my enemies right up right out of the gate than for somebody to actually turn around and say that they believe in me and stab me in the back. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and 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 am I sure that that was gonna happen? Am I sure that that was going to happen if Hillary was elected? No. Would it have been as crazy? I don't know. It probably would have been. We probably would have had more defenses of the LGBT community. But I tell you one thing, we were going to make her work for her vote. Exactly. 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 And so that's why I'm just looking at all of this and, you know, it's Storm, you already got people starting up there anti Kamala Harris, anti Corey Brooks, anti Patrick Duvall. And you know what? All three of them are problematic for a number of different reasons. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you have people out here that want to encourage Bernie Sanders to run again. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And Bernie Sanders is problematic as fuck, too. And, you know, it's so interesting is, you know, after a while, because at first I was like, Bernie, yay. And then I started paying more attention. And I was like, oh, hell no, right? And so what's so interesting is they had that people's um, summit. They bring it to Chicago Mm -hmm. every year. And when they had mm-hmm. it in Chicago, a lot of the grassroots and local groups were having a fit because Bernie Sanders and Nina Turner and their people didn't even engage with the local groups. They did not get them involved. They didn't send them a letter. They didn't send them a money gram, no nothing. You know, so it's like how is this the people's anything if you ain't talking to the people that are part of the people? You know what I mean? So right. You know, it's problematic, and even with Jill Stein, problematic. And so this is one of the reasons why you hear me advocating for a third party, because I'm just unhappy with all of them, you know, and, and, and that's the truth of the matter. And for those of you that are um, out there, I posted an article called The Fire This Time, and it was written by Dr. Anthea Butler, that is a good fucking article. Read that shit. Because, see, Dr. Butler feels the same way as, as many of us. I'm tired of talking to white people about racism. They know what the fuck is going on out here. And the thing is, is that, you know, what's happening now is you got these white people out here protesting and angry because they want the white privilege that they have become accustomed to getting. And they're not getting it their way. So now they're angry right. about that because, you know, having to share with other people and share more things with other people, I guess that would feel like discrimination to them, you know, like like, like they're being left out, you know. And so right. the whole thing is just that what's going on in this country, I mean, this is not surprising. This happens every so many years. 
and which is why I talk about patterns and how people need to pay attention to these things, but they don't. And then, you know, what's interesting is when we start talking about, well, why do you keep repeating yourself? Why? Because somebody may not have gotten it, just like I know you didn't get everything I had to say. You got this part, but you totally disregarded to that, disregarded that. But you don't realize is that in order for this point to be solid, you have to understand that because that is what made this. Does that make any sense? Right. Yeah. It does. It does. And, like, coming back to the point about, mm-hmm. you know, like the alt-right and these white supremacist protesters doing their work, um, I keep hearing this thing over and over again, you know, we will not be replaced is what they keep saying. We will not be replaced. But, I mean, right. really, when you say that, you're projecting because you're still the majority exactly. of the of the population in this country. You're more than right. half of the population of the United States. So where are you really going? You're not right. going anywhere. Exactly. Clearly you're not going anywhere. So I think really what you're doing is projecting because oh, yeah. Projection what you're afraid of is, it, is that mm-hmm. you, we're going to do to you what you did to us for exactly. centuries. And that even exactly. the merest possibility of that, no matter how far-fetched, if it's even possible, right, exactly. you have to fight against it because you know that it would be <laughs> – because it would be karma for the centuries of oppression that you are responsible for. Right. Exactly. And see, and that's the And you would better be so very lucky about, that black people mm-hmm. are not nearly as vindictive as you are about your privilege. Exactly. Exactly. And see, and that's the thing, you know, because, you know, like I said earlier when I was talking about white supremacy – and how it's not necessarily based on emotions and an ideology, but a system and an institution, you know, this all plays into hand. Because, again, you know, it's about stealing people of color, stealing our wealth, stealing our labor, stealing our lives. And that's only a few examples. But, see, the thing is, is that that is institutionalized. And, and again, that's why I use gentrification as, you know, one of the examples of showing how this is done over time and how this is a pattern that has been happening, and we need people to pay attention, but we also got to find a way to fight back. Oh, but one interesting tidbit that I meant to mention earlier about that march or that, you know, pre-planned race riot was the money that's going to be generated from the sale of the Robert E. Lee statues, the money, the proceeds from that are going to go into a fund for reparations for black people in Charlottesville. And so I just right. thought that was interesting. That's why you saw um, reparations trending on, trending on Twitter um, that day is because of that. You know, um, Chicago is getting reparations for people that suffered under John Burge um, in L.A., Los Angeles. They received reparations for just the misconduct of the LAPD. You know, it's a number of things. I'm simplifying it. But, you know, it seems right. to be reparations is kind of catching on. So that's why I'm telling people, hold on, be encouraged. You know, we're going to, you know, it's going to be some shit now. I'm not saying tomorrow, you know, you're going to be farting skittles and glitter. No, that's not how that goes. You know, <laughs> so, um, right. you know, and, and, and what we got to understand and not allow. We cannot allow white people 
to talk about white supremacy in such a way that it's relegated or, or hinging upon individual actions or individual fear or hate because that's not what it is. It's a system and the function right. of that system, you know, and, and, and how the function of that system robs people of color of their wealth. As a matter of fact, here's another very real example. Jeff Sessions is basically reversing everything done in the Obama administration. I mean, you know, asset forfeiture, you know, they're going to increase that. Even if you didn't commit a crime, they can come and just walk away and take your shit. You understand? And so what's so interesting about what happened yesterday was Donald Trump was saying that they're going to study the tapes and today the DOJ is saying that they're opening investigations. And all I got to say is they're studying the tapes so they can figure out how to to do a better job of hurting the counter-protesters, you know, and, and right. these investigations. All these investigations are going to do is say the counter-protesters should have stayed at home, you know, and, and that it was their fault, you know. And so I'm just sitting right. back. You know, and the question that I have for the believers that listen to the show, I want to know, did God mandate the white nationalists and alt-riders to make America great again? Because when you hear, like, Pat Robinson and Paula White and a number of these white evangelicals talking about God gave Donald Trump the power to bomb North Korea. God gave Donald Trump this office, the presidency, to make America great again, which means make America white again, and that Donald Trump was ordained from the most high God to, to, to be in power at this time. So my thing is is that, you know, if you're saying that about Donald Trump, you know, you know, are you saying the same thing about the white nationalists? And to tie all that in is if you all go back and pay attention to what happened in the past couple of months, like I said, I missed y'all. I got a whole bunch of shit I want to talk about, but how the um, Southern Baptists, how they finally condemned white supremacy, but that was not before a fight broke out. And some people left and some people split off. And so, you right. know, it's really interesting what's happening in this country, but it's important for people to pay attention and to stay on top of this because I know some of you are out there saying, well, what does that have to do with me? It has everything to do with you because, see, you can be next. Right. And that's what people don't right. understand, and, you know. And notice, please note the crickets that are coming from these same conservative church leaders regarding these protests. I have not heard a word condemning these nationalists from them because they got too much money involved. Exactly. 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 And see, and that's another thing, because I need people to pay attention. What's happening with Donald Trump and, again, with these white evangelical um, pastors and preachers and all of them is Donald Trump wants to do away with the Johnson Amendment. And what the Johnson Amendment is is that it's, it's an amendment that was put in place by President Johnson to stop these pastors and preachers from getting up in their pulpit and endorsing candidates. But they want, they want these pastors to be able to endorse candidates. But in addition to that, what Donald Trump is trying to do and set up is allow these churches to become PACs, political action committees and super PACs, 
which means more money can flow through that church. And again, I've said this before. I don't know if people have paid attention to me or not, but some of these churches are out, that are out here, they are nothing but fronts for money laundering. You know, money laundering, mm-hmm. drug dealing, you know, money laundering, drug dealing, you know, um, 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 you know, um, prostitution, all of that shit. Exactly, that white yeah. slavery ring, exactly. You got all of that going on, and I'm like, so you can fool yourself if you want to, because it's like, you know, oh, well, that's gossip, that's innuendo. We shouldn't listen to that. No, it's not gossip, it's not innuendo. That shit is out there, but the only reason why people like me and others don't harp on it too much, because them motherfuckers will kill you. Don't get it, don't, let's not get that shit twisted. You know, and if they can't do so, that, they will gaslight you. To they will gaslight you to a point where you will not want to speak up. They will exactly put rifts in your community. I mean, because the church is a very, very powerful. I mean, it is the biggest unifier of black communities in America, arguably. Right. Okay. Right. So if the pastor's got something to say about you speaking up against abuse. That's going on. Um, you might very well find yourself being shunned by family and friends everywhere. Exactly. And that's not, I'm not even exactly. talking just like huge mega. I mean, obviously it happens in America, but I'm not even just talking about mega. I'm talking about like the storefront churches. Mom, I'm huh? talking about like, right, the, the small neighborhood churches that are taking place. These pastors yep. really are rock stars that can't do any wrong. They're like exactly. They're exalted, <laughs> and you know, for all this talk about evangelical saying that I follow God and not man, um, you seem awfully easily led by men who claim to speak for God, right? And you don't exactly. question them. You, they're not God. Right. What are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, you're right. You're right, and so and that's why I sit back and I look at this shit, and I'm like, that's why we tell you question everything. Question everything. Right. And if you're around someone who gets angry because you got too many questions, then you don't need to be around them because that's not your friend. That's not someone who cares about you. They want to control you, and so you need to understand mm-hmm. what's happening. And one, and one more thing I want to say about white supremacy to give people a better understanding of it, you know, because it it's, it's an ideology, but it goes beyond an ideology. But, see, what happens is when you have people like these alt-writers and, you know, a lot of these politicians, they use that particular ideology as basically a measuring stick at, at, to explain away um, why black people buy, you know, basically, how can I put it? They use it as a way to be able to say that blacks are inferior and and, yeah. and be able to rationalize why they take a lot of wealth from people of color. So that ties back into that gentrification thing, but, you know, and, and, and how a lot of the wealth that was taken from people of color, this was done through capitalism, this was done through slavery, with settlerism, all of that. You know, it's, all of that is, is predicated you know, on on their definition and, and their, um, you know, their, how can I, I'm trying to find the words, of their being able to justify the mistreatment of people of color 
in this country. You know? Right, not just that they are not just that they are inferior, but that they wouldn't know what to do with the resources that we have. They would waste exactly, it, or they would find some exactly. way to 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 ruin it or to or to make it a lost cause. And these arguments always go back to blacks just don't know what to do with themselves, or that they are better off here than they were in Africa and mm-hmm. any other such nonsense. And that they just, no matter where they are, they just don't know how to conduct themselves in a civilized fashion. They're not as right. intelligent. And you mentioned right. something about this. I don't know if you mentioned this earlier in the show because I called in kind of halfway in. But uh-huh. this kind of rhetoric is also being embraced in the scientific community, too. Yes. And, yes, like, you know, scientism is a I religion. Can't, I can't, I, I got to remember this guy's that. name. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna remember this guy's name. Just randomly, but it was the author. There was an author of this book called The Bell Curve. That oh, that was Charles Murray playing footsies with Sam Harris. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Like yeah, like he's actually yeah Charles Murray. You know, like use, Char- okay, cool, yeah, Charles Murray like is supposedly using statistical data to, to prove that biologically black people have a lower IQ statistically mm-hmm. than other white people. And therefore we can say quote unquote scientifically that they are inferior. And yeah, like Sam Harris exactly. basically giving that dude a blowjob and saying, Oh yeah, that's yep. Yeah. You know, you can't like, and basically like, basically just giving a middle finger to numerous black and brown and people of color who are exactly. coming out and saying, no, that's not cool. Where's your science for that? That's a false argument. We got data exactly. here showing that this is wrong. And basically Sam Harris kind of coming out and saying, well, you know, get over it. It's science. Stop being emotional about it. Right. And see, and that's the thing. Because you've been listening to this show for years. Raina and I have been all over Sam Harris's pasty white thighs for years, for years, talking about his shit, talking about Bill Maher, talking about some of the bullshit that came out of Hitchens' mouth and some of the bullshit that's still coming out of Dawkins' mouth. You know, but again, as I said right. earlier, when you get into it, that scientism is a religion. They have turned it into a fucking religion, you know, and – You know, you get to talking about these things, but it's so funny because we had people of color coming at us out of left field because we dared critique Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens and Dawkins. You know, um, it was on another Mm -hmm. podcast, and someone was talking about Christopher Hitchens, and Raina called in, honey, I hollered, you know, and what a lot of, well, anyway, Raina called in. And so basically, you know, the the host of that particular show was saying that, you know, the black community could do better than, I forgot who it was. I don't know if they were talking about Jeremiah Wright or or something like that, but Raina turned around and said, well, we can do better than Hitchens. And needless to say, they were not happy with, (laughs) you know, it was, (laughs) (laughs) oh, baby, I hollered. Okay, you know, me and Raina were on the phone when she made that comment, and I'm on mute laughing my ass off, right? And so um, that shit was funny, baby. I'm telling you, 
Raina is, man, right. that's a, it's like this, you know, if you ain't ready for Raina, you may as well just give her your cookies and walk away because she's going to snatch them. So that's that. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, but it's a lot of that. Like I said earlier, a lot of these alt-writers have found a soft place to land in the secular community. And, you know, I mean, I've never been a big supporter of the mainstream secular organization and, you know, the community, but it gives me even less of a reason to support them because, like I said, anytime people of color came to them asking for this or wanting to do that, for the most part, they were told that, oh, no, that's mission drift. Yet nobody can tell you what right. the mission is. They want to say it's the separation of church and state, but that's not necessarily true. And let me tell you why. Because the, the biggest um, the biggest organization that goes after the, the separation of church and state really is the Mormon church. You know, the Latter-day Saints, LDS, is probably the biggest political action committee that's out there. And they have a lot of power, and they have a lot of money. They do more for the separation of church and state than the secular community. So this is why you always hear me calling bullshit on these motherfuckers, and this is why I say their $300, $700, dollars tickets are meant to keep a certain element away. They don't want you there, okay? And, right. and, and, you know, they're trying to fool people, trying to get, you know, the communities of color, the secular communities of color to come out and, and, and promote this normalized atheism shit. Why would I promote a community that does not address racism, that does not address sexism, homophobia, transphobia, all of that shit? You have individuals. Right. That doesn't, that, doesn't that, that, that not necessarily. Go ahead, honey. Right. And. Not only doesn't expose it, but actually sympathizes with it. Okay, right. sympathizes exactly. with racism, sympathizes with elements of transphobia, and it's interesting yep. how only now, after years of you talking about this, are white atheists finally seeing, oh my God, I finally see what black people were talking about when they said that these organizations were not looking out for them. Right. Right, and, right. I mean, right. just and, and the just not even if we ignore, even if we ignore mm-hmm. the complete lack of embracing minorities within the atheist community, the sheer number of sexual assault cases alone, right, would show me that exactly. they are not sympathetic to those. To I mean, literally, even if we ignore the racism. The simple fact that they have a problem with treating women equally in these organizations and the fact that so many of these celebrity atheists cannot keep their hands off of women exactly. and the sheer amount of sexual assault cases that have taken place alone yep. tells me yep. that um, yep. a lot of these guys are not up to any good and that, in fact, they are using their status as atheists to elevate themselves so that they have more access. Exactly. 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 And see, what's interesting is, huh? Um, that is why you see a lot of the pushback from a lot of the white men in that particular community, especially because you know they hate social justice warriors. Um, they hated the women that started or tried to start the atheism plus, and then a lot of these other. But see, the thing is, let's call it for what it is. A lot of the white feminists in this community, quite a few of them voted for Trump. Fuck that dumb shit. I know better. 
You understand? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, what's so funny about some of the white feminists in this community, you know, you say that a woman should learn self-defense to, to you know, defend herself, then you're going to be called all of these different names saying A, B, C, D, and E. Now, if somebody pushes up against you that they like as part of their circle and you push back, now all of a sudden you're a bully and you're all of this, then they know good and damn well that what you said was true. The problem is right. that you said it in public. That's the problem. And, and, and the other problem is you won't take it back. You meant that shit and you got more you can add on to it. The fact that they can't control you, that's the problem. You know? Right. And so... It's it's a big old game because I'm like people don't realize what the hell is really going on in this damn secular community, you know very very right. very open secrets that are going on, and when you speak out about it, no, nah, you know uh uh-uh, uh you know because some of them like oh you fucking with my money, they're only over here for the money, the damn sex, what was it? It's just some of the shit, some of the, I don't say a whole bunch of shit, but it's a whole bunch I ain't said. And they better hope I don't say it. We all know I give no fucks over here. You know. Right. So. And I mean, and and the way I look at it is it's like, okay, dude, we get it. You're liberated. You're not religious. You can be, right. quote, unquote, sexually free. But you got to have some ethics about this, bro. Just because right. you may right. like women within the secular community and you may be more free or whatever, but that does not put ethics out the door. Women still have the right, right to say no to you. Women still have the right to actually say no. They still right. have the right to turn you down for any reason. And just because you're not a God believer does not make you more intelligent about that kind of stuff. And that's why exactly. I don't even bother even calling, like, I believe in feminism strongly, but I don't call right. myself a feminist. Because too many male feminists who have called themselves feminists have been caught in the damn cookie jar and exposed as being the exact opposite behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yes, they have been caught with their hands in a cookie jar and their pants down to their ankles. You know, it's so much shit, you know, because we won't even talk about the ones running around here using fake names. But really, that's Mm -hmm. wrong for right now. You know, I'm bookmarking that for later. Don't think I forgot, motherfucker. You know, but because um, <laughs> I forget nothing. I just file it away for later. But um, it's just so much. It's so much. Man, I missed you, dude. I missed you so much. I missed the listeners. I missed all of this. But I had to take some time away because, like I said, you know, life, that shit, people yeah. dying and them near dying. You know, and sometimes you just got to take a break back because it's like with all that shit that was going on, man, so, you know, I did what I had to do. You know, um, school was starting back, so, you know, I'll be able to focus a little bit more on that. But, man, I was so unmotivated. I was unmotivated. I had lost my focus and all of that. And so it's coming back. It's coming back, you know, I'm reaching my goals. But, um, you know, I wanted to shout out some books. So I posted on my wall about um, Ida B. Wells. One book that I just got that I'm, gonna, that I'm starting to read is White Nationalist, Black Interest, and it was written by Ronald Walters. 
And this is talking about conservative public policy in the black community. It's important that we Mm -hmm. understand that and how that impacts Mm -hmm. us today. For people that want to better understand what's happening down, you know, what happened in Charlottesville and what's happening all over, I would tell them to go and buy books like White Rage to get a better understanding of what's happening here. It was a book written by Randall Kennedy, and the title of the book is Nigger. And the reason why I'm bringing that particular book up is it it talks about the myth of black inferiority, the myth of black criminality and all of that, and it does a really good job, you know, putting all of that in place. Um, And so I think it's important that you go out here and you educate yourself. I used to post books like crazy on my wall, but I just figured that people, you know, weren't giving a damn, but I'm going to start doing it. Um, again, but a book called White Rage, Carol Anderson wrote that, The Unspoken Truth of Our Racial Divide, um, you know, um, The 400-Year Untold History of Class in America by White Eisenberg. The name of the book is White Trash, um, you know, When Affirmative Action Was White, An Untold History of Racism by Ira Ketz Nelson. He also wrote a book, Fear Itself, which is an excellent, excellent book. Um, you know, and, and it's a lot of information out there. I'll probably, um, you know, start posting things, but you got this book by Charles Cobb, This Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed, How Guns Made the Civil Rights Movement a Little Bit More Fair and Balanced, you know. And it's another one called mm-hmm. We Will Shoot Back. And Robert, I forgot Robert's last name, please forgive me. But you got all of that out there. You got books all over the place. If you're trying to get a better understanding of what's happening today, a better understanding of this so-called un unexplained anger that Black people have, it's not unexposed. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's not not unexposed. Good Lord, you know, um, it, it's not without cause. I mean, there you go. I got right. it right. But um. Yeah, you know, go and look up the Red Record, Ida B. Wells. I put the link, and it was a free download or a free Kindle. So the other one, the regular Red Record by Ida B. Wells, is only 99 cents. But, um, you know, again, what we were talking about as far as, like, today and the white nationalists, you know, it's about them getting their white privilege back, their unearned privilege, and they want it handed back to them. Here's a book that you can read that will, you know, kind of help you with that. The Rage of a Privileged Class, you know, and that's written by Alice Alice Cozy, C-O-S-E, Alice E-E-R, good Lord of Jesus, Alice, E-L-L-I-S, Cozy, C-O-S-E. You may want to look up The Radical King by Martin Luther King, Jr., Um, Racism Mm -hmm. Without Racism. Colorblind Racism, um, that's by Eduardo Bonilla. And you can look that up. It's just so much out here. Now, I started reading this, but I haven't gotten through it yet, but it's called The Racial Contract by Charles W. Mills because I wanted to do a show specifically about the racial contract and, you know, that particular social construct and how it's, in, you know, an in, in unspoken thing in America, how you have, you know, the only real pure white people, you know, are the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. So the white people from Germany, the white people from England, you know, those people. And the only reason why Australia and America, you know, are included in that is because the king and queen 
would send their little bastards to America and Australia as a punishment until they decided to settle in the United States. And what's so interesting is you have all these people, when they talk about the history of America, they start with that fucking Mayflower. No, you need to know what happened before that fucking Mayflower because they were sent here right. as indentured servants. But let me get back on track here. You have these people like the Irish people, the Italian people, Portuguese, um, a number of other races that were given honorary ethnic white status. Okay? And that is being, that's been done to control and to perpetuate anti-blackness. You know, and, and we start explaining this to people that the only way they get to keep their privileges and keep their whiteness is they have to, you know, get out of here and, and do the heavy lifting of fucking over black and brown people. And what's interesting is some of those brown people are being moved out of the brown circle into the white circle. And so now they're thinking, you know, all this crazy shit. And I'm like, you better get that out your head because what they're doing is they're tricking you. You really ain't white. Right. You think that shit, but you really ain't white at the end of the day. You know, if it's, you know, Mr. Longbottom from England and you're Mr. Irish so-and-so, Mr. Irish so-and-so, you're going to jail. And Mr. Longbottom from England is going to walk away unscathed and right. turn around and sue your ass. Right. And that's – it's interesting you mention that because – once the, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Italian and Irish people, when they first came mm-hmm. to America in the 19th century, they were treated extremely poorly. Exactly. Extremely poorly. Not, I would say, not as, of course, not nearly as bad as, you know, black and brown people in this country, not even close. Right. But, right. I mean, you go back and read the history of New York, you read the history of immigrant communities. And I mean, these guys were just about spit on in everyday society. Yep. So I find it very interesting how you can be racist against black people when many of your Anglo-Saxon, many of your fellow Anglo-Saxon, you know, white fellows will have no problem throwing you under the bus when it's time for you to take a step back from their privilege. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then you're going right. to turn around. And then you're going to turn around and ask black people to help you when you spit on us. And we're going to remind you about how badly you treated us when you had the power. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, I remember posting a couple of articles um, talking about how Italians were being lynched, Jewish people were being lynched, Filipinos, and a number of things. And people at first Japanese people were it. being interred in World War Two. You know, exactly. a number of them were yep. actually thrown in internment camps and treated nearly as bad, if not worse, than the Holocaust than, you know, Jewish people during the Holocaust when they were being thrown in concentration yep. camps. Exactly, yeah. It was the Japanese and the Aleutians. You know, the Eskimo people up there for y'all don't don't know what the Aleutians are. I had to write a big ass mm-hmm. paper on that and you know, it was a very interesting time in, in American history. But um yeah, no, but you're absolutely correct. You know, and what a lot of people don't understand, you know, when we get to talking about the history, when the blacks were emancipated, 
America went and imported a bunch of Chinese people to come into this country. So you had the Mexican laborers, you had the Chinese laborers, all of them coming into this country. And in the way that they would treat them, um, I forget, you know, I'm going to have to find this article. But it talks about how the Mexican migrant workers, how America was experimenting on them with these chemical gas, these chemicals and these gases and all of that. And apparently that inspired, you know, Adolf Hitler and, and his extermination or attempt to, well, his genocide of the Jewish people, right? And so, right. you know, yesterday when all of this shit broke out in um, Charlottesville, you had people talking about they're using ISIS tactics. No, they're not using ISIS tactics. They're using American tactics because who do you think fucking trained ISIS in the Taliban, in al-Qaeda? We trained them. We trained right. them. They're not using their the chickens tactics. Are, using the chickens are coming tactics. home to roost. Right. The chickens exactly. are coming home to roost. Yes. Yes, 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 indeed. So, baby... I'm sitting here looking at this, and like I said to the people out there, be encouraged. Be encouraged because I do see a light at the end of the fucking tunnel. This ain't fun. Ain't yeah. nothing funny about it, and especially when you're going through the shit. And to be honest with you, at first I used to, you know, kind of look at Joyce DeGruy and give her the side eye when she was talking about PTSD in the black and brown communities. More and more I see this shit, the more and more credibility that I give her because this shit is traumatic. And I really do believe that a lot of this fear and oppression and all of this shit is passed down throughout the fucking generation. And, and science is starting to prove that, you know, the trauma and the horrors that mm-hmm. a lot of our parents and grandparents and my great-grandmother was a slave. You know, my grandmother died last year. You know, she hung in there. She was almost 100, right? You know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, with my aunts and my mom and, and you know, even my dad and his family and all of them, um, you know, the shit they had to go through, how they had to leave the South and go to places like St. Louis and Chicago and Detroit and a number of places for better opportunities. You know, people, I would advise them to read about the um, the great black migration and why that right. happened and, and, and about the South and the oppression of blacks, particularly in the South then and now because it's still happening. And that's why when I talk to people right. and I tell them about agricultural workers and domestic um, workers, how for a long time they weren't able to collect Social Security and people weren't paying Social Security to them. And, you know, and, and I just sit back, but no, that book by Ira Katz Nelson, um, When Affirmative Action Was White, a good book, you guys. That will open your eyes. I did a show um, talking about affirmative action and, you know, got a lot of people listening in to the archives. But I had to rope a dope white people into the conversation. See, they thought I was going to talk about affirmative action, EEOC, for black people. And no, I talked about e, well, affirmative action for white. That is what I talked right. about. See, and many of them had to look it up because at first they thought I was making shit up and bullshitting, and then they went and looked it up. And then I started getting right. notes like, oh, my God, we didn't know this happened. We didn't know this was going on. And I'm like, we've been fucking telling you this. You know, right. and all that money and you, that they And you, and you continuously those, deny it. 
over and over, right. telling us, you know, that See, we're hysterical or, or that we're uh, that we are being too emotional or that we haven't done our research right. and our due diligence to, as if we didn't have history of backing us up. Exactly. Exactly, and you're absolutely correct. And you know, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. So that's why I posted an article today talking about white people and how we want them to get to know themselves better because, you know, you got all these white folks and a bunch of non-black people of color talking about this isn't the America I know. Well, it's it sure as hell the only America I ever knew, you know. And right. So have you talked to your parents? It's like, have, yeah, do, you, do you all talk to your parents? Do you, do you guys talk to, like, okay, coming back to, you know, the internment of the Japanese people, and, you know, the slavery of the Chinese you know, to build the railroads during the late 19th century, it astonishes me how utterly racist and, ambliv- and ambivious a lot of Asian people are to the black cause. Like, y'all need to settle down. Y'all need to calm down. Y'all being hysterical. Stay home. This is not the America that I know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, have you talked to your grandparents? Have you talked to your parents? Right. Have you actually looked at your own history with regard to the internment camps and the slavery of your great great parents and your grandparents and your great great grandparents before that? You got a lot of nerve right. being racist because you're being thrown under the bus too. As soon as white people right. get their privilege back, so you need to step right. back. Exactly. 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 So, these, I, 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 mean, I really don't think that these guys that are like that are saying this is the America that I know have even. I don't think they've. I don't really. I really think that they just they haven't done any work to actually understand. They haven't done the work. They haven't right. talked and to see, anybody who knows better than see, them. Oh yeah, but see, this is the thing: they don't want to do the work. Because, you know, I get a lot of that. You know, you have a lot of white folks and black folks out here that don't want to do the work. They want you to do all the research, you to do all the homework, you to do all the catching hell and all that. Then they want to come in and, and, and basically whittle it down to a sound bite and go out there and, you know, have people thinking that they read. You ain't read shit. only thing you did was listen to this show and take notes. You know, I'm not going to – don't act like you don't know that I know. I know exactly what the fuck you're doing. You know what I mean? And and this is one of the reasons why when I'll get in on a subject, I'll go in, and then I stop short. And I tell people to go and do the research because we've seen that, but not only with this show but in other, you know, situations as well, whereas they don't want to do the work. They want to sound bite, especially when you see some of these white feminists out here that are stealing the words and the work of black women, Latina women, and, and Asian women and, you know, indigenous women that have died, you know, telling the truth, telling their truth. To have a white person come in and steal their words and steal their works, capitalize off of it, and, and, and then and come around and – Exactly, and, and say that they speak for the black people, but yet they can't tell their damn racist mama and daddy shit, you know, because they living in mama and daddy's basement. You understand? And so I just sit back and I'm looking at this shit. Come on now, let's call it what it is. You know what it is. You know, and I'm looking at this shit 
and it pisses me off. It really does, you know. And um, like I said, you know, when we were talking earlier, like, just just about one example, just today. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, just today, just today, that poor girl who got ran over by that dude from Ohio in Charlottesville and got killed. Yeah, Heather. They've Ohio. already got. Right. Exactly. Plenty of white people are out here saying, "Say her name." I said, "Oh, and you yet, missed the was beginning it of the nobody, show." Nobody, nobody yep. was doing that for Corin Gaines, Rokia Boyd, Shane right. Bland. That's right. Laughing at us That's right. for doing the same thing, mocking us, saying, "Oh, well, you just yep. brought that on yourselves. Why do you? Why do you even mm-hmm. bother doing that? All lives matter, and all this other deflective bullshit." Right. Stop co-opting right, exactly. things when it's in your damn yes. favor. Exactly. Oh, honey, or I said alone. that earlier today. And I was like, because I feel some kind of way about them saying say her name with Heather. Now, I'm not taking away from her death and her heroics. I'm not going to take that away from her. But say her name, come right. on, please. Come. On. I was so pissed when I said and that's why I had to kind of temper myself because sometimes I just, you know, they say throw the guppies back in. Sometimes I'm throwing a shark back at your ass, you know, but um, the whole thing. It's just crazy because it's like, you know, you start wondering if you're fucking being trolled and shit. You know? <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> right. But, you, know, <laughs> you know, but I'm just looking at it. And so, you know, it's just the whole thing is a mess. And there's so much more that needs to be talked about. But trust me, they're going to do some more stupid shit this week that's going to set me off for next Sunday. I'm going to try to get my, my thoughts process back in order um talk about next and, Sunday. and they're going to do some more they're, they're going to do, right do some more column busing hey okay. <laughs> oh man but yeah i'm just sitting here and i'm just looking at this shit but like i say you know people have to be encouraged we're going to get through this shit but yeah we got to expose this shit for what it is and you know, keep moving forward because, I mean, we're not just going to lay there and die and let people just walk all over us and take what they want because a lot of this white supremacy is about taking, you know, wealth, you know, away from people of color. A lot of this is about, um, you know, returning this to a patriarchal type of society, white, cisgendered, male, somewhat educated, you know, centered bullshit, you know, and, and like I said, mm-hmm. when you look at these communities, they're nothing but a mirror image of mainstream society. So, no, I'm not going to normalize atheism. You want me to normalize it the way it is, which is it's oppressive to people of color? Fuck you and no. And there should be more of us out here saying that. We should be saying no. But anyway, we're down to the last minute. Red Ninja, baby, thank you for calling in. You know, I want to tell the people I miss them. I want you to stay encouraged, keep moving forward, find groups in your area that you can help. You know, even if you can't get out there and march and rally and all of that, you can do fundraisers. I do not advocate civil disobedience, none of that shit. It happens, you know, but I'm not telling anybody to go out there and start popping heads. That's not what I'm doing. But we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Don't let these motherfuckers fool you. We want ours now. 
not afterwards. Mm-hmm. Fooled us once, twice, three times, not going to fool us no more. All right, baby, Red, thank you. I missed you. Very I welcome. can't wait. I'll be back next Sunday, and we get ready to do this damn thing, all right? Absolutely. I'm there. All right, honey. Well, miss you. Here's a big hug. Everybody, talk to y'all next Sunday. Take care. Bye-bye. 